Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Back at you today for episode 144. Week 9 is in the books. Sunday night football for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, what else is there to say? Um, 38-3, your final score. The Saints come out on top, just in case you were wondering. They improve their record to 6-2, first place in the NFC South. The Buccaneers fall to 6-3 on the season. A disappointment, to say the least. I mean, like I said, there really doesn't feel like (laughs) there's much more you can say. But, believe it or not, we do have a lot to unpack with this game, so we're going to go over all of that more on today's show. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, as always, is usually... My good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. And if you guys listened to our last show, well, you know that he went and got himself suspended. And um, he's actually in Orlando right now. And he went and watched the game at Raymond James Sunday night. He was kind of a game-time decision, 50-50 for the show today. And uh, unfortunately, when push comes to shove, we had to roll him out. So, filling in in his place, and a very special guest of the show. Mr. Ren Dax of the PewterCast. Ren, uh, I hope you're doing as good as you possibly can, because I, I just, I'll save you the trouble of asking how you're doing. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I'm going to uh, Lou Gehrig, uh, Evan. He's now known as Wally Pip. Uh, your older viewers may know what that means. Uh, do you know what that means? No. I, I know who Lou Gehrig is, but that's the, that's the extent. Do you, and do you know what he's famous for besides getting Lou Gehrig's disease uh I mean I know he was a baseball player (laughs) he was he played the most consecutive games in a row till Cal Ripken broke it got back in 93 maybe he played like 2,500 or maybe it was I I don't know how many it was might have been three it could have been 6,000 I doubt it but he was known as the iron horse uh because he never missed a game but the reason he got the start was because the third baseman for the Yankees named Wally Pipp got injured and no one ever heard from him again because mm. Lou Gehrig played one game and never came out again. Anyway, that's my joke about Evan never coming back. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm all right. Um, you know, I got to go on last night um, and, and, and talk about it and I watched a couple other pods today and then talk about it. None of them really made me feel any better, to be honest. Um <laughs> It was just, you know, nothing good came out of it. Like, you couldn't, there was nothing, there was no point, there's nothing you can put a flashlight on and say, well, here's something you can build for towards next week. It was just, you know, 
it was a division game, and that's what makes it worse because the game plan on offense and defense was so poorly thought out that you can't throw the tape away because it's a division game, and like you really can't just put it up to oh, you know, we don't play these guys like everything. It's not like they didn't play these guys a lot. It's not like they didn't know what they expect. They've already played them once. Yeah, like it's the only team that they've played twice so far, and. What the Bucks coaching staff decided to do with the offense and defense was, it was just, you know, it was bad. It was, it was as bad as Madden pulling out Snell in the World Series. Like, yeah. everyone knew that this was just a terrible idea as soon as they recognized what was going on. And what makes and, it, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, and we paid for it, and the fans paid for it. Yeah, can't get any refunds. (laughs) They got your money. But, I mean, what makes it sting even more is not only is it a division loss, just like you said, it hurts to get swept by anybody because it's hard Mm -hmm. to sweep a division rival, and the Saints have done it two years in a row. Bruce Arians is 0-4 against New Orleans. And like you said, the game plan coming into it, you know, people talk about the execution of the players. You know, it it doesn't seem like it's breaking news. It doesn't seem like it's breaking news at this point that this loss was on the coaches. I listen to a couple of other pods today, and that's what everybody's saying. And I think every podcast you listen to after a game like this, everybody's going to be saying pretty much the same thing. But the loss was on coaching and the game plan on offense, on defense, and, hell, even special teams. I mean, I know it's hard to— Our special teams know. are terrible. We just yeah. don't talk about them because we're winning. They're retired. We can't cover. Can't cover punts. If you if you catch the ball in the end zone, I don't care how deep you are, run it out because you'll get past the 25 because our guys don't even set up their wall until the 26. So you'll get at least a yard. With all of that, though, you know, the biggest thing for me, and I think what hurt the most is that this team is not who I thought they were headed into this game. And and that's the same for everybody. But, I mean, you heard Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth all night, all throughout the game. This is the team. This is, you know, this is the team that was supposed to be favorite in the NFC, and Tom Brady's been playing great, and they were supposed to take the division, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, you can't win them all. But when you lose in the fashion that they did, when you lose to an opponent that you play before, and when you lose because the game plan that you came in with was hot garbage, like I said at the beginning, there's just, there's not much else to say. There, there really is not, but I will say this. Ladies and gentlemen, if you bet the over last night, which I'm sure a lot of people did because more people expected, you know, a little bit more points on the damn scoreboard, um, I, I feel really bad for you. But I'll tell you what, if you want to redeem yourself, you can head online over to our friends at betonline.ag this week. Take a couple of bets on the games happening in week 10. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And of course, there's always the online casino, which never, ever closes. So make sure you head over to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses they have got over there. Once again, BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. I am scared to death to spend my money in their online casino. I haven't checked it out. I know that when me and my buddies go to the Hard Rock, I'm usually spending most of my money at the bar because that's just how my luck swings. But mm-hmm. um, what about you, Ren? Are you a uh, rambling, gambling man? Uh, I've had my spurts throughout my life where, you know, gambling uh, became something to do. Kind of, It's kind of like golf or fishing. Like, you know, you get really hard into it for like three or four months and you're like, eh, and you just kind of one day you don't go and then you don't go for like two or three years. 
But I like to play. I like I like roulette um, because if if you bet red or black, it's you know you get, it's two to one odds, which yeah. are the worst on the board. But two to one odds are great odds, and you got a fifty fifty chance of being right. And there's certain rows and columns that have more black like say you're betting black you have more black you can bet a row you can bet a, there's a place where you can put your chips where if there's let's see eight possible outcomes five of them will be black if you put the chips right and then you can just bet black straight up and then if you want to take it one step further and don't bet anything until one color comes up three times in a row if you have the patience, you'll you'll win and you'll make you'll make you'll make some money. There you That's go. how I do it. There you go. Yeah, Got like you just sit Ren. there and you know the guys at the wheel don't like it because you're taking up a chair and you're not betting. <laughs> <laughs> but you wait till it's three reds in a row, then you bet black, and you you know, and then if it comes up red, you just double whatever you just lost and bet black again, and you know you win, and that's how you do it. That's way it prevents you from getting on losing streaks. You know, because yeah. if you bet black and it comes up red three times in a row, well, now, like, you're in a hole that you, it's really hard to dig yourself out of. But it's not going to go, it's not going to go red, like, the fifth, sixth, seventh time. It's just not, so. Yeah. Well, there's another tip. If you guys want to go check out the online casino, that way you don't piss off any table workers. Make sure you go do it right. once again at betonline.ag. You won't piss anybody off over there except for yourself. So I'm sure there's an app that will give you an alert. There you go. So this is this is the biggest thing that I have heard coming out of the game, and I wanted to gauge your thoughts on it because I've heard some people say that, yeah, you know, it carries some validity, and I've heard some people just shut it down completely. But the Buccaneers sure. on primetime, the Red Imputer mm -hmm. on a grand stage, just doesn't mix. Is it, is it, you know, I know that the game plan coming in this week was terrible, but the can the Bucks simply not play on primetime? Or is it just is it is it something that you know everybody's overlooking because we always happen to play like shit on primetime? Well, I mean, you know, both can be true, I guess. I mean, I I don't think that that if the Bucks play on primetime, they're gonna play a bad game and get blown out. But there's a lot of evidence that supports <laughs> calling me a liar. So, you know, it's just one of those things. It was like when the Bucks couldn't win a, a game that it was like below whatever, like 49 degrees because they never won one in history or the Bucks could never return a kickoff, you know. And until you do it, then until you do it a couple of times, it, then it'll go away and no one will really talk about it anymore. That was supposed to happen this year. Uh, it, it hasn't. Um, you know, the two games that are prime time we lost uh, barely beat the Giants and one of them, the other one got moved. Right. I think we got one left against the Rams. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not sort of like the voodoo guy, you know. I'm I'm not the, uh, um, you know, culture guy. Uh, if you can't explain it or explain to me how to get it, or show me like, you, if you can't give me facts, then I'm not I'm not really gonna put any weight into it, you know. Right. Like, does Bigfoot exist? maybe i mean probably not but you know but the, don't sit me down an hour and a half and show me a bunch of t talk to me about it when you can't show me any evidence you know 
Yeah, I'm not ready to put up the, uh, you know, the pin board with all the connecting strings and the circles talking about the evidence of why they can't play on primetime, but it is definitely a strange coincidence. And it's a shame because it seems like every single time that this team gets a chance to prove on a national level or even a somewhat national level, you know, that they are the real deal. Because so far, up until this game, obviously a 6-2 and two record speaks for itself. This team has been playing some pretty good football so it just, it, it sucks, man, because it's every yeah. single time. When you're on prime time, you know everybody's going to be watching, and that's when you go into work that week and you're talking smack to all your friends. You know, all the yeah. Bucks are going to whoop that ass this week, and then they just make you look like an asshole. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> that that's yeah. what this team does better than anything else. And like, yeah, they're learning how to win games, but they are still just, uh, I don't know, the games that you really need to win, it, it seems like, especially after this, you know, crap in the bed the way that they did. And I think that's the most concerning takeaway of this, is that everybody thought this was going to be um, just, I don't know, not 38 to fucking 3. Yeah, Yeah, it was supposed to be a good game. You know, now, like, dare you say that we thought the Bucks were going to blow him out because he would look like an extra dummy. Um, You know, uh, so no one's going to say that now. But yeah, it, it and you know Brent and I say this on the Peter Cast a lot. It, it's not it's not that they won or it's not that they lost. It's how they won and how they lost. You know, it's like after the Giants game, it didn't feel good. You know, because it was the Giants. Yeah, we won, but it's how you won. Uh, and then the Saints game, where the division is riding on the line. Like if we win that game, we're number one in the NFC for like we're number one. Like it's not. It's, this isn't me, you know, thinking this. We're in the number one spot to get the bye week if we win that game. And we have a game and a half lead on the Saints, you know, because we have a full game up. And then when they and then if we lose and they win, now we're tied. But we would have we had the next tiebreaker. Now losing to the Saints, we are two games back. Uh, because if they win and say they lose next week and we win, and we're tied again. But they beat us head to head. Yeah. Twice. Like so for us to beat the Saints, for us to win the division, you have to we have to finish we can't tie the Saints. So we have to win two more games. We have to finish a game ahead of them and we're already a game behind them. And we got eight we got seven left to go. So uh, you know, I don't think the sky is falling. Uh, I think the team's gonna make the playoffs. Uh I think this is more of an outlier. Uh, offensively, defensively, I have some worries uh, about what other coaches have schemed up against us and, and seem to be working. But, uh, you know, I think we're going to be there in the end. It was just, like you said, you know, I went on a couple of, I, I guess on a couple of Saints, you know, pods and YouTube channels this week. And, and you know, I was telling them, like, well, we're not the same team you played. And they're like, we're not either. I'm like, okay, but... Like, you know, like you guys have been together for years and week one, like Brady, you know, barely knew the names of these guys. And then they go out there and they play worse. Yeah. And they all added me on Twitter and they all, you know, Cam Jordan said stuff. They're like, hey, Rendex, look at this. Like, you know, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. I told you. Like everyone in NBC picked the Bucks. That's what we were doing from the start. As soon as that happened, I, I don't know if you saw my tweet, but. I put a picture up, and all I had to say was, like, holy shit, because I have never, ever, ever seen that happen. And especially for it to happen against the Saints, I just, yeah. that that's that's when that terrible feeling started to creep in that everybody's right. all too familiar with. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you know, it it's 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 not like I was alone in this, but it made like you said, it just made me look really stupid. Like this coaching staff and these players, I'm emotionally invested in this team, and I went out on a limb, and 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 you know, put my personal reputation, which whatever that's worth, uh, out there. And now I'm having to hear it because they epically failed. Like it couldn't, it could not have been worse. It couldn't have been. Yeah. It couldn't have been. Maybe some more turnovers. You know, maybe Brady's leg falls off and he's done for the you know forever. Like that's the last <laughs> game of his career. But like, but the way they played on the field, the defense gave up a touchdown every time the Saints had the ball, except for a fumble on the two, and then Mike Edwards hit knocked the the same guy. He had the first down catch like inside the ten. Mike Edwards hit him and he dropped the ball. They called it incomplete and they kicked a field goal. It was th- it, it should have been with thirty eight. Like should have been like forty six, forty five to nothing at the half. Like like the defense they didn't they didn't punt until the fourth quarter and that's because they quit trying to score. Yeah. Now you mentioned Brady. I, I want to go over his day. Um, sure. Obviously, the stat line speaks a lot more than people who watch the game, but 22 for 38, 209 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions. Two of mm-hmm. those picks, one of them was just a hope and a prayer, and mm-hmm. the other one, the first interception of the night, was one of those Houdini plays that I feel like only happens to Tampa Bay. It was off the hand of a lineman, off the hand of another lineman, and then the linebacker, I think the D lineman, came down with it. Um, mm-hmm. But... The other one happened with the Antonio Brown miscommunication. You know, I yeah. know that missing Ali Marpet was going to hurt this offensive line. I, I thought Joe Haig wasn't terrible. Um, no, he, he played fine. But the glaring issue after this week, and I mean, it seems like it's mentioned every single week. Evan is on record as calling this guy an average left tackle at best who plays terrible games every now and again. And this was yeah. just another terrible game for him to put under his belt. That's big number 76, Donovan Smith. What mm-hmm. the hell, dude? Like, yeah. when... You know, at this point, I think it's just too late. Like, I think you you have to ride the season out with him. But it, yeah, yeah. do you think it's just all the confirmed he's not here next year? No. And, you know, like, of course not. He's, he's due $14 million next year. Yeah. Like, he is who he is. You know, we, we, we went through this thing with Jameis last year where it's like, all right, like, you know, all the stars are aligning, you know, like, it's, it's, it's B.A., it's a new offense, coach believes in him, he's going to let him freaking, he's going to let him sling it, you know, look at all these weapons he got, and and he, 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 he failed, and now it's Donovan Smith, like, okay, we got a guy, quarterback, he's going to get the ball out quick, he understands the offense, he can read defenses, you know, um, he it's his free agency year, because his money next year is not guaranteed, like, he has to step it up, and Year six, he's still the same guy he was in year one. You know, he's just terribly inconsistent, which is fine. You know, you can't have pro bowlers everywhere. I'd like to have a better left tackle. But, you know, like, you kind of got to ride with him, but not at what he's going to make next year. No way. Like, the, you know, I said it. The only way Donovan Smith has remotely a chance coming back, and this isn't going to happen, is that he takes, like, 50% off. Like I'll play for six million, and they might consider it, because what you can get for six million dollars at left tackle on the free agency market ain't going to be very good, you know. And it, you know, I started saying it after week two, 
like the left tackle position is now on the table for a first round draft pick or a tackle position, whatever you want to do with worse. Yeah. You know, but I agree with you. I don't think, I don't think it's a time to, uh, put Hagen at left tackle. Cause that's the only position he really didn't play. Like he, you know, he played both guard center and left tackle, uh, through his pro career. And I don't think it, you really kind of want to flip flop Tristan worse over there because at the end of the day, you're six and three and you've only lost to two teams. Yeah. Very true. And you look good doing it, you know, and your defensive played has played some lights out game and your offense has put up lots and lots of points, you know, so it's no time to hit the panic button. It was just really disappointing that for some reason, the Saints offense and defensive line owns the Buccaneers and it doesn't matter who's there. Yeah. Like we can't get any pressure against them. They run against us and we can't stop them no matter who they line up against our offensive line. Our offensive line just came off two games where Brady got hit once. No sacks. He got knocked to the ground one time. Past two games. And they come out there and right from the jump, you know, Brady was uncomfortable and 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 seeing ghosts a little bit and dumping the ball off early. And then besides that he wasn't accurate with it. So yeah. three and out, three and out, three and out, you're down twenty one nothing. And it was over. It was it was beyond over. Yeah. Now going back to the game plan, you know the offensive game plan in particular. When you're down twenty-one to zero before you know it, I can understand abandoning the run game. But yeah. when it comes to mixing it up on offense, the Bucks were record-breakingly bad. They only ran the ball four times. Mm-hmm. I, it, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that they had mentioned at the end of the broadcast that that is an NFL record. But four attempts. On the ground. I understand. Like we said. You well, know, five. The kneel down counted as one. There you go. But, <laughs> I mean, good God almighty, man. Like, I get it, but listen. Give me ten carries. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't mind it. Like, I don't mind it because it, it just, it, and it's and it's not, it's not, that's not the play caller's fault. It, it was, it's the complete lack of execution or the plays he was calling in the passing game. But they went three and out in the first series and they ran the ball once and they didn't run it on first down. They ran on second down, did the same thing. The second series, there's your two runs, uh, two or three runs from Ronald Jones. By the third time you got the ball, you're down 14, nothing. And so it's time to like, you know, let's, let's flip the field at least let, let's, you know, first quarter is almost over. We're down two touchdowns. You know, let's, uh, let's kick this into high gear, three passes. You're out. They went three and out again. Next time they get the ball, it's the second quarter, and you're down 21 nothing. Now you can't run it. Like, yeah. you can't. And since the, the offense never got going and never drove the ball down the field, you never sort of had to – you never had the chance to feed that run in later. Like, you come out, you know, throw for seven, throw for 11, run the ball, get four or five, then throw, 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 run. But they never could put together a drive. The only reason – they got down there was on a turnover, you know, and then late in the game they put together a drive. But that time they're down, they're down thirty plus points. They're not going to run the ball. Then they ran the ball one time, and it was like third and one with Fournette, or fourth and one with Fournette. I don't remember. Uh, and then they ran the ball one time with Rojo on the goal line, and, and, and then the kneel down makes five. So I, I know that you look at like five, like that's that is not the reason we lost. Like, if I'm going to pick top two, like, make a top ten list of the reason why the Bucks lost that Saints game 
like Joe Haig and only running the ball five times aren't going to make the list. Right. Yeah, it's an ugly stat, but you have to look like why. Like this is this is something that a lot of people don't do in every aspect of your life. You see a fact and you go, "Oh my god!" Like like why? Like, do you think Byron Leftwich knows that running the ball four times a game is not a good? <laughs> Like you're not gonna win that way. Does it's he not know? Like of course that's what he they does. were drawing up at practice all week. You know. Yeah. <laughs> like he knows that. So why did did they not? Why do they only run the ball four times with five with the kneel down? Well, then you look at the other side and you go, oh, okay, okay. And then now you get man- angry at something else, like the play calling or the game plan or the defensive scheme or the punter or you know the crappy tackling or again like no juice on defense or. You know, like the head coach calling, uh, you know, it was like, how how do you think, what did be, how did B.A. think he was going to win that challenge on that fourth and one I, I am run? Con- I am convinced that every time, every single game, that challenge flag is just burning a hole in his pocket. We haven't seen it busted out lately. Yeah. But he yeah. is always at the ready to use it, whether he thinks he's going to get it or not. And I know that it's been mentioned that, you know, I think he has like a video guy in his ear, kind of telling yeah. him when to throw it, when to not. Um, yeah. They got to reevaluate that position because that, yeah, that was just and another just one of those challenge flags that everybody's going to look back on and say, "Oh, BA's too old. He's losing it. He's out of touch." And I mean, while there have been some questionable decisions, you know, it's just, dude, that's a challenge that shouldn't have been thrown. Basically, is what I'm trying no, it to say. Shouldn't have been thrown. It was. It was. It was. It was. It was, it was complete desperation. Yeah. Look. Like it's like I, I get it. Like he's like if someone asked him about it, and I, I haven't even been able to bring myself to watch the pressers. Like not last night's and not today's. I'm like I just can't do it. Like I cannot, I cannot. These guys are gonna piss on my head and tell me it's raining and I'm gonna lose it. Like you know they're gonna you know I'm not gonna read Buccaneers.com this week because they're oh Shaq Barrett had like nine pressures. <laughs> like like oh my god. Like I swear to God, you know. Um so. I understand what he was what he was going to say was like it was kind of a a a, a do or die right there yeah. because if they did get win that challenge then you still kind of sort of got a chance you know but if you if you look back at it the spot should have been challenged on third down and then if you want to sort of you know take into account the BA challenges last week against the Giants he should have challenge the spot that Fournette that they didn't give Fournette on the first down and then when he tried to go it you know go for it on third and got stopped when we kicked the field goal and everyone's like why are you kicking the field goal you should have gone for it but the problem was Fournette made the first down the play before but he didn't challenge it so it's 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 sort of like this bravado kind of like I'm really emotional hair trigger type of whatever I feel like throwing the flag or not because B.A. just like, oh, well, it was a bad spot, but I'm not going to throw the challenge flag because we'll just make it on the next down. But they didn't. And he doesn't throw it on third down because it's like, well, we'll stop him on fourth. And they didn't. And now you're like, well, i got to throw the challenge flag because if they make it, then the game's over. And it's like, it's kind of too late by then. Like, if, you're, if your adjustments, like, first off, I don't understand why the Bucks don't do adjustments during the first half. I know they're probably going to say they do, but they don't. But they don't. Like, you don't see adjustment from this team till after they come out at halftime. If your adjustments for the game consist around throwing a challenge flag, 
Like you're like you're not. There's no plan B. Like this, these coaching staff needs to go into these games with a plan B because not only this game was their offensive defensive scheme terrible, so was the Giants game. Yeah, and we just beat the Giants because we're just better. Th- we just a- out athleted them. We just had better guys. We had better Jimmys and Joes. They had a better scheme. Our guy behind under center could implement our scheme better than their guy under center could implement their scheme. And that's why we won, and we almost lost. So there's no, like, it's, it's again, it's this why, okay? Like, if we do this against the Giants and it doesn't work, what are we going to do? Oh, pfft. like, it's going to work? Like, what are you talking about? Okay, like, like, no, you need, like, you have to take everything to the next step and then you don't get surprised, and then you kind of start understanding how things work, not only in football, but, you know, like the world around you too. (laughs) One more thing about the offensive play calling, and then we'll get a little bit more into those defensive adjustments you had talked about. Sure. The Buccaneers' offense, the red zone offense in particular, who up until this game was perfect on Mm two-goal situations, they always got a touchdown. They were 22 for 22 coming into this Mm -hmm. game. From the one-yard line, yeah. you throw two fades, try to run it one time. Right. What the hell was that series? You know, the, the play calling that we talked about, um, it, it was a terrible game plan. But I feel like just, just not, I don't know, not trying to stand it up and punch it through at least one more time after you didn't right. get it. It just felt, it, I, I don't know, dude. Like, I, I really I really don't know. I'm not a big fan of the fade. Nobody is. You know, we've yeah. seen Tom Brady throw him before, but, I mean, even Tom Brady's not going to hit it 100% of the time. And it's just yeah. – it, it was one of those things where it was like, do they even really want this touchdown? Like, do they really even want this that badly? Because it it looked like a failed attempt and then two throwaways. Like, it just it, – I, I don't know. It was just ugly as hell, and it was the biggest low light of the offensive play calling. Right. And you forgot to drop by Gronk. Yeah, there you go. That was – oh, yeah. dude. Yeah, I forgot yeah. that for good reason. Yeah, that felt a lot like Jameis Winston was quarterbacking for the Bucks, and him and Mike Evans were going to shut Lattimore up. Like they were that's just going to force a, it to him. They're like Mike's going to get a touchdown on Lattimore, so Mike can you know talk shit more because Lattimore is way up in the talk shit category. Yeah, like that's what I felt like those two throws to Mike was. The one to Gronk, he just dropped it. You know, like it worked. They set it up. It worked. Um and the one to Rojo, I was surprised it stopped. I think Rojo is one of the best in the league at getting the ball in the end zone from like six, seven yards in. Like yeah. he, I, th- I think he's really good at it. I, w- I was shocked he was stopped. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the fade on first down. Um, they weren't even on the same page, and I definitely don't like a fade on fourth. Like I don't care your one on one is if you're gonna then 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 go inside and make it a slant. It's just like such a low one. percentage play to take a yeah. fourth down of all downs. Yeah, you're throwing it in a very small square yardage spot, and you have to throw it over or through another guy. You know, it's 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 three defenders against one. It's the it's the, it's the back line, it's the sideline, and it's the cornerback against Mike Evans and Tom Brady. Yeah, and you know, and the ball, you know, talk about doinks. The ball hit him right in the helmet. And bounced away, and it was just like, I mean, but it was it was just that kind of night. So yeah, I mean, 
it didn't even matter if we scored there or not. The game was so over by then. <laughs> it was crazy. I think it was like it was thirty. It was already thirty-one nothing. Like it was the game was over. It as was just, soon as they went up fourteen to zero, that's I think when most people were just like, "All right, game over." Because the way that this team came out, as flat as they are, I know that, you know, at this point we're somewhat used to the slow start by the offense. You know, a three and out for your first drive sucks ass, but I think we're used to it at this point. But just I think the everything. offense has, has come out have come out and put points on the board a lot. Uh, I know not lately, like maybe the past two or three games. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's really fair. Um, do I think the team has come out flat on defense? Uh, an offense, you know, over the past couple of weeks, like there's no juice. Yeah, I do. But I'm not going to sit there and blame the offense because not only that, the offense has a plus on every quarter. Like they've scored more points than they've given up in the first, second, third, and fourth. And they have, before this game, they had the most, they had the biggest points differential. So the amount of points the offense has scored to the amount of points the defense have given up, that difference has been the Bucks own that. Like they had the biggest differential. Yeah. So I, I'm not gonna really sort of bang on the offense and be like, oh look another oh like oh they didn't start off well again. It's uh, granted it has been for the past two weeks maybe three. I, I'd have to think about it. But yeah, like they're. I don't know what to think about why they don't bring any juice until it's until it's too late. Like the defense doesn't sort of wake up until they get like a couple of like. I don't want to say a couple of points. The team has to score twice. Like, either that be two field goals or two touchdowns or a touchdown and a field goal. Then all of a sudden the defense wakes up. Uh, it was And it was just too late because of the poor field position and the scheme they were running. The scheme they were running was was the worst way. You know, it's like, it's like the tortoise and the hare and going, the way we're going to beat the hare is we'll put the tortoise in, in quicksand and we'll make the hare run on cement. So Bruce Arians came out. He said the defensive sure. game plan was to rush four and play zone for pretty much the whole game. Well, right. obviously we saw that that was awful. You can't do it against the Saints. Everybody and their mother has said for years that that's not how you beat Drew Brees. You have mm-hmm. to send pressure. And that was another key coming into this game is everybody was saying it as well. You know, whatever quarterback gets hit, that's how you beat Drew Brees. That's how you beat Tom Brady. You put him on his ass and you any make him uncomfortable. The Bucks didn't do it at all. They put zero pressure on Drew Brees. He had all the time yeah. in the world to make his decisions back there. And another thing, too, he is not a quarterback that sits back there in the pocket and just throws over people. He did that no. all night. It was embarrassing. Like, right. it, it really was just the game plan was awful. Like you had said, they didn't come out and play with any, uh, any energy. And by the time they had finally woken up and realized what was going on, it was 31-0 to zero at halftime. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And it was a game yeah. that, as soon as this episode ends, we're going to do what we can to put it behind <laughs> us. You know, I, I wish we could go back to complaining about a win, you know? Like, right, yeah, I miss exactly. that feeling. I really do. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I, I understand what they were trying to do. What they were trying to do was... They were thinking, and I don't know why they were thinking this, but they were thinking if if their front four got more time to get to Breeze, then if so, if he held the ball longer, then they would get home, and that's what they were going to do. So to make Breeze hold the ball longer is they were going to they were going to play zone and make him come off his first read. Which, if you watch the game again, it worked. Like he double padded, double clutch, double pumped the ball continuously 
in that first half of the game. He did. Like, he looked, no, look, no, look, no. The problem was those four never got there. Yeah. And that's and, exactly. That's kind of been a common theme with this pass rush this season. It's, you know, at this point yeah. in the season, you cannot, the Bucks defensive line, they just can't bring pressure with four guys. Evan's been saying it. We've been beating this drum for a little while, but it's it's yeah. it's clear as day, especially after the New Orleans game when you have a team that's going to take advantage of that. But yeah, you just you can't bring pressure with four. That is not the strength of a Todd Bowles defense based off of what we had seen of the sample size from the first half of the season. And the game plan was terrible. I don't know why it went down like that. We keep saying that. I feel like we're talking in circles here, but you get what I'm trying to say. It was just yeah. It was bad. Guys, like th- yeah. this is yeah. Yeah. yeah, they just came off playing the Giants with basically they tried to send the same defensive game plan was we're going to get home with four against, you know, a bottom five offensive line to possibly, you know, definitely a top five, maybe the best offensive line and try to do the same game plan and switch out quarterbacks with Josh Allen and Drew Brees. And like, like. I get the thinking, but like you said, and you know, and you said you and Evan been talking about it for weeks. Like, what, what can you point to any game, not even any game, any play that four guys like pushing four got home? No. Like, what, like, <laughs> what makes you? Th- it was very Dirk Cutterish, where you know he'd be pressed on, like, he would be pressed on a situation like that after the game, and he'd be guys, well, these guys are pros; they just got to execute. And it's like, like, no, no, like, you can't make a fish climb a tree, Dirk. Like, you know, offensive and defensively, this coaching staff not only didn't put their team in the best situation to win, they put their players in the hardest situation to win. Now, like, they did everything they could, not on purpose, to make this the most difficult way to beat the Saints. In the problem, which is very disturbing. Yeah, well, definitely. But I think another big problem with it is it is thirty-one to zero at halftime. The third quarter, I understand, but in the fourth quarter, when you are down thirty-eight unanswered points, mm-hmm. why the hell is Tom Brady still on the field? Why are your starters still out there? Is it this mentality from Bruce? Is he just an old school kind of guy where it's like, well, you got yourself into this mess. Now you go ahead and get yourself out. Was it irresponsible of Bruce Arians to keep those guys out there that long? Is it something else that somebody should be bitching about when it comes to the head coach? Or is it just one of those things that, you know, it's the NFL. You die in your shield, kind of. Uh, you know, um, I, I think it's more, I think it goes it goes more along the lines of seeing B.A. as an emotional coach. As in, it could be a little bit of like, you know, like, screw you guys. Like, you guys haven't played worth a crap. Get out there and keep, you know, you're going to have to wear this. Yeah. Uh, which, I don't know if the word irresponsible, that's a little too strong for me. But Tom Brady shouldn't have been in the game. Because if Tom Brady goes down, you know, with any injury whatsoever, and he misses two weeks, like, you're, you're like I think Blaine Gabbert can win 10 games with this with this club. I really think he can. But if you're looking to make a deep playoff run and, you know, get to the Super Bowl, Tom Brady's got to be under center to make that happen. Yeah. It, ju- it just has to happen. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I really, when I watched the game live, I really didn't think about it. And I think it was because I was so mad and embarrassed. Like, I didn't care, you know? Right. Like, I didn't care Tom Brady was still out there. Like, I didn't. I'm like, 
go like here there's the ball go score like that's that's what you have to do let's see a score come on do it i don't want to get shut out and maybe ba was thinking the same thing i don't know you know but after the game was over and you start thinking about what you just watched it was like why in the hell was tom brady in the game in the fourth quarter like at all yeah you know like maybe he didn't want to put up the you know the white flag that early but you know if it was a sunday game like a one o'clock game when you've done it and it was a little bit of pride that you know he got because he's getting embarrassed on national TV and everybody's watching. So you know he wanted to fight to the end. I don't know, but like you said, it wasn't it wasn't a good idea to have Brady on there. You know, by the start of the fourth quarter, it just it just wasn't. Definitely not. Now, one more thing that I want to talk about before we wrap this thing up. We haven't really talked about anything good. There there are no silver linings from this game. I am going to yeah. attempt. To bring one, um, sure, and we're not going to spend very much time on it. But Antonio Brown's Buccaneer debut. Now, aside mm-hmm. from the miscommunication where he stopped on that route, Brady overthrew it, and it was a pick. I, I mean, he showed us, you know, that he's still in good shape. I mean, that's what I got from it. You know, he, he's still in good shape. He made a couple of good catches. He made that one contested catch that I was impressed with. And uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I just I know that there were a lot of eyes on Antonio Brown. And uh, right. I figured we at least had to mention it. Sure. Uh, and you did. <laughs> there it is. That's all I got. Like, I, I, like, I, I, have, I have no comment on the way Tony O'Brown played. Like, it, it wasn't... To even mention that it was good or bad, it was so inconsequential and, and no... Like, it didn't matter, you know? Right. Like, let's talk about... Well, Cameron Braid didn't screw up either. Let's talk about him. Like it didn't like it didn't matter. He was he he was such a minor piece to the story. Uh, I know, you know, uh, NBC didn't treat it that way, but for different story reasons, you know, but, you know, for different reasons and and rightfully so. Uh, But, yeah, you know, I guess what I saw in Twitter didn't discourage me any, but I wasn't planning on being discouraged. Like, right. You know, I like what I saw. What happened is what pretty much I kind of expected to happen. A guy out there who doesn't really know the offense yet and hasn't played football in like two years. Yeah, I get you. This has been God, this feels like a funeral. This has been one of the most somber episodes we've ever put out. And no, we don't have a lot of great things to talk about. But I I do want to kind of ask you and. Go over this. One last thing. No, don't hit the panic button. I think people are forgetting. I think now that we've had a little over 24 or uh, about 24 hours to sit on this, you know, the Buccaneers are six and three. Six and three. A much better position than they've ever been in in the history of our podcast. I'm pretty sure your guys' podcast as well. Oh, yeah. So, you know, are we blowing it up? No. Do I think anybody on that coaching staff needs to be fired yet? No. Um, but what bit of reassurance, if there is any, but, sure. uh, what bit of reassurance do you think you can tell people out there? Because it's just, it's not, I mean, it's not the end of the world. You can't win them all. It sucks to lose this one. Sucks to lose to the Saints in the fashion that you did on a national stage because nobody's going to shut up for, uh, nobody's going to shut up about it for a week. Right. Well, I mean, what is the uh, what is the attitude moving forward? 
Well, you know, I, I guess the best thing I can say, and I believe all of this, is, is this is if you've watched all the Bucks games, like this is the outlier. Like this is the one that doesn't make any sense. You know, this is the Russian jugs, judge score. This is the one you throw out. Yeah. Uh, so you know, every like I said earlier, everyone on NBC picked a team, the Buccaneers, to win this. It was just as much shocked everybody everywhere. But you know, this happens all the time. Like the Steelers almost lost to the Cowboys. The Packers just lost to the Vikings. Uh, the Seahawks just dropped two in a row. Kind of a good week you know, to lose. All the NFC yeah. teams lost. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, this is what happens. Now, it hurts the most because it's the Saints and you're supposed to play the best against your— like, these are supposed to be close games, especially between two good teams. Like, two good teams that are rivals, like, one doesn't go in and blow them out. So yeah. you just kind of scratch your head about that. But, uh, honestly, you just got to kind of snap and clear this. And and the main thing is, is the NFL's a week-to-week league, man. And you know it, and everybody knows it because— you know, just when you think you had it figured out, everything changes. No, not everything changes. A team that you thought was really good had a bad game and, and barely wins against a crappy team or loses to a crappy team. And you don't reset all the power rankings. You just go, well, you know, that's why they play the games. They get paid too. And that's what happened. So, yeah, I think this is going to be the outlier and just try to get it out of your head as soon as possible because you, you, you'll drive yourself crazy, you know, with anger and frustration about how bad, you know, trying to dissect this game. It was a yeah. crappy game plan, period, on both sides of the wall, period, end of story. Yeah, there, there really wasn't a lot, you know, like you said, there wasn't a lot to dissect going into this. It was just, it was, it was just bad. That's, that's yeah. really it. This should have been a 10-minute podcast. Just, it was bad. Let's move on. So, right. w- with yeah. all of that being said, great point, Ren. And one last thing, I know that it's been tossed around as well, but the year that the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl, they were also oh, swept by New Orleans. Yeah. So, I don't yeah. know. Just I don't, something like, for people to grasp onto. Like, I'm not going to say this on my podcast, but I'll <laughs> say it on yours. The amount of times that the guys at Peter Report, and I'm talking about Scott Reynolds and uh, Mark Cook, try to compare Buccaneers teams to the 2002, like, 2002 that was 18 years ago yeah like quit doing it it's it's not even the same game it's not it's not even like the rules are completely different like like quit like do you think the Steelers go oh well remember back in 1963 when the Eagles beat us that bad like like what like what are you even doing and the sooner they get their lips surgically removed from Warren Sapp's anus the better (laughs) Because oh I'm tired of fucking hearing about, well, Warren Sapp said this, or War- Warren Sapp is a pig. He's an ambassador for only himself and not the Buccaneers. And he's not, a, he's not a good person. And just, like, quit. Who gives a shit what Warren Sapp has to say or Warren Sapp did two decades ago? It is the nostalgia factor. Um, I-, I can tell you a somewhat similar situation that I have found myself in. It has nothing to do with football, but... I grew up with an N64. I love the N64. It was my first yeah. console, the Nintendo 64. Picked it up 15 years later, and that controller is a piece of shit. I had fond memories of that <laughs> controller, right? I, I, I played some great games with that controller. I remember Mario Party. I'd scab the bottom of my hand, rotating the middle joystick on some of the mini games. And like uh-huh. I said, once I had you know some experience with a little bit, the game has changed. It is not the same game. 
controllers are not the same as they used to be. No. So uh, I guess a video game analogy there. But that's the nostalgia factor, man. People love nostalgia. I mean, anything to just slightly remember the glory days. Oh, man, you know, this is just like that time gets everybody going. But it's not. And, you know, I'm all for nostalgia, too. If you you like, you know, then pop, you know, blow the dust off the the VCR and pop in the VHS <laughs> test and watch the 2002 game. Just don't talk about it publicly because no one freaking cares. We just lost 38 to nothing to the Saints. Do you think I give two fucking rats ass what happened in 2002? I mean, it's a fair point. It, it is a fair point. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. I think that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm, I'm kind of glad we're done with this one. Just, yeah. I'm just so glad to have this game behind me. I really am. Like it, yeah. that, That's what it is at this point forward. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're still listening... I hear they were it, glad that it was behind them, too, in 2002. Right, after yeah. After their second loss. Yeah, after they got swept. You know, a, a lot of guys were, in that locker room, I'm sure, were relieved. <laughs> <laughs> they were really glad that was, the game was behind them. <laughs> They went home and played uh, Super Mario 64. <laughs> there you go, on their busted-up controllers. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening on any of our podcast outlets or checking us out with video on YouTube. Ren, thank you so much for jumping on the show with me, man. I know it was short notice, but it was a really good time having you on. And while it wasn't the you know most fun of episodes, we'll have to have you on after a win someday. It, it sucks that you had to join us after the worst loss in what feels like 15 seasons yeah, since since 2002. Um, <laughs> but it really was a good time. Where can people find you and your content? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, man. You know, people kind of turn to me when things go bad. That's just the, <laughs> just the way it's been my whole life for some reason. I guess I'm a foxhole guy. Uh, best place to find me is on Twitter. Probably the only place to find me is on Twitter, at Rendax. That's R-E-N underscore D-A-X-T. I'm always down to talk Buccaneers football. There you go. Also, make sure you guys check out the PewterCast, really good friends of the show, Brent Allen, and, of course, the Mr. Rendaxed over there, giving you guys a couple of shows a week. They do a really good job. If you haven't checked it out, they're, uh, well, I mean, if you're in the mood to check it out, it really was some good content. But the instant reaction live stream from after the game, that intro kind of got me today, to be honest with you. I was, right. I, I turned it on. I was driving the van at work, and, you know, you hear the music play and then just dead silence. That got me. That was pretty damn good. But make sure you guys go check it out for yourselves and follow them on Twitter at Red underscore Daxed and the PewterCast as well. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are the Cannon Fire Podcast, basically the best place to go for updates on the show and Buccaneer news as it happens. You can also follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T. AKUS. And one last shout out to our sponsors at betonline.ag. Make sure you guys get over there and check out all the sign up bonuses that they have got. Still plenty of great action left this football season for you to uh, wager your monies. So make sure you go do it. I am Rhett Matthews signing off for Ren Daxed. We will talk to you guys Thursday for the game preview show as we preview this Sunday's matchup. Until then, go Bucks. It, it'll get better, I think. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save 